All right, we're going to jump into the scriptures here. You know, we're going to talk tonight about growth. And you can see there in the photo, there is a plant, a little seedling that is growing. And the truth is, when it comes to growth, uh, when the conditions are right, growth is natural. And so I put a little, like I said, I put a little photo of a, of a plant there. Uh, let me ask you this, and you can respond in the chat. What are some key ingredients that cause a plant to grow? What are some key ingredients that cause a plant to grow? You can just throw things in there. Good, all right, I see light, sunshine, time, water, oxygen, good soul. Okay, that's good. Uh, oh, soil, good soil, <laughs> good soul. Bees, yes, bees. Well, that, that's, uh, that definitely helps them pollinate. Conversations, okay, good, compost. Yeah, all right, so there are a lot of ingredients that go into the growth of a plant like this. Um, and when the uh, conditions are correct, growth just happens normally or naturally. You see this all the time. And so tonight I do wanna talk a little bit about growth, uh, but I wanna talk about growing faith, specifically about growing faith. Um, I wanna talk about this because I think that Leslie and I want, you know, as we think about the future of this ministry, this is going to really be the central theme of where we go and what we do. We're going to be all about growing faith. Um, you know, faith, maybe a person has no faith and their faith grows to the point where they decide to become a Christian, follow Christ. Maybe someone's a young Christian and they have a little bit of faith, but their faith needs to grow and become mature faith. Maybe somebody has been a Christian for a long time and they have a lot of faith, but their faith has become stagnant or stale and they need to find some inspiration and need to continue to grow in their faith. Wherever you and I land on the spectrum of faith, our goal in general as disciples is to grow faith. And just like this plant, when the conditions are right, faith will grow. There's a great verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses five through seven, it's, uh, Paul writes, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. And again, you see this idea that there are ingredients that, that go into spiritual growth, growing faith. Um, there's watering is mentioned here. There's planting. But then, of course, the big ingredient is God. God is the one who really allows our faith to grow. Again, wherever our faith may be, uh, God is, is who helps us get to where we need to go. And, um, and we certainly... We have tasks, we have parts in that. We, we bring the ingredients, the planting, the watering, and the various aspects that help grow faith. And so that's what we're gonna do. Uh, we're, it's what we're gonna talk about tonight. We're gonna talk about growing faith and we're gonna do it this way. I'm gonna do a little comparison study with you tonight, a little, um, little comparison study. Um, we're gonna look at two events in the Old Testament. <clears throat> One is the Israelites crossing the Red Sea which is Exodus chapter 14. And uh, then this other event we're gonna look at is the Israelites crossing another body of water, the Jordan River, which is found in Joshua chapter three. 
Um, so that's where those passages are. Um, most of you, I think, are probably familiar with these stories, so I'm not going to read those chapters. Certainly, it's something you can go back and read. I'm going to refer to parts of it as we study this together. But I want you to understand that this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at the Red Sea crossing of the Israelites versus the, the Jordan River crossing of the Israelites. Now, let me, um, let me just do this little disclaimer at the beginning. We're going to be talking about, as we look at these two events, we're going to talk about the growth of the faith of the Israelites along the way. Because these two events are separated in the Bible by about 40 years. And so what happened? What happened between the first event, the crossing of the Red Sea, and the last, the second event, the crossing of the Jordan River? How do we see their faith grow? That's what we're going to be doing. We're going to kind of comparing these two events. I do want to, again, make a little disclaimer. And the disclaimer is this. I know that when I'm doing this study, I'm talking about different people. I know that. I know that the people who crossed the Red Sea aren't really the same people who crossed the Jordan River. In fact, that was the story because of uh, what happened shortly after they, they crossed the Red Sea and because of the faithlessness, God sent them into the desert where they would eventually die off the, the faithless people and the younger people grew up and entered the, the, the promised land through the Jordan River. So I know that they're not the same people, but often in the scriptures, God refers to the Israelites collectively, even though they may cover generations and generations, he still talks to them, sometimes talks about them collectively as if they're one entity or one being. And so in the spirit of that, I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do the same thing. We're going to look at the Israelites and we're going to compare these two events and we're going to see the growth in their faith along the way. All right. So let's take a look at this here. Oh, one more thing I like to say before we dive into this. This is a study of youth versus maturity, all right? This is a study of youth versus maturity, not a study of evil versus good. So as we compare these two events, and as we see the progress or the change from, from one spot in their faith to another spot in their faith, as we study this out together, and and if you're convicted by it, if you look at it and go, oh, man, I'm kind of like this and I really should be like this. I don't want you to walk away thinking this is I'm trying to say that you're an evil person because of that. This is not a study of evil versus good. This is a study of youth versus maturity. This is a study of growth, of accepting and understand where you are. But then realize that we want to go somewhere else. We want to become better and greater for God. So resist the temptation to uh, feel terrible about yourself or feel, uh, feel like somehow you've failed God. And understand the point of this is to see how God wants you to grow and he wants you to change. There's a great verse that talks about this in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16, it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. 
From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Okay, so as we dive into this, remember, this is a study of growing, a study of going from youth to maturity. You say, well, Phil, I'm, I'm not a kid. I'm a grown-up. Yeah, but grown-ups can sometimes still be young in their faith. So that's why we're going to take a look at this and grow in our faith. All right. So first, uh, I'm going to share with you some similarities between these two events. All right. Some similarities between the Red Sea crossing, which is, again, Exodus 14, and the Jordan River crossing, which is in Joshua chapter 3. These are some similarities between these two events. First of all, they, the Israelites faced water-based obstacles, all right? That was the first similarity. They both, in, in one case, it was the sea, the Red Sea. In one case, it was a river, the Jordan River. And that's Exodus 14.2 and Joshua 3.1. The scriptures are there. So that's one similarity. Uh, another similarity between these two events is they were both led there on purpose. In both situations, God, through, through the leader at the time, led them to that obstacle on purpose. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't like they took a wrong turn and like, oh, man, there's the Red Sea right in front of us. No, God took them to it. God took them to the Jordan River. They went there. God took them there on purpose. In both situations, they had a positive, faithful leader. Uh, in the first situation, of course, the Red Sea, they had uh, Moses. And then in the uh, Jordan River crossing, Moses had, had died and uh, Joshua was their uh, leader. But in both situations, they had faithful, positive leaders leading them in the, circum in the situation. In both situations, they went through the obstacle. They didn't avoid the obstacle. They didn't get to the obstacle and say, this is too hard. We're going to go back uh, or we're going to go a different way or we're going to go around. the." It wasn't any of that. In both situations, there was an obstacle and they went through through the obstacle. In both situations, they went after going through the obstacle, they ended in awe of God and revering their leader. In both situations, they went through and they said, wow, God is amazing. And thank you to that person for leading us, for God working through that person to lead us through uh, these obstacles. And then in both situations, the goal was the same. It was to make God know. That was the goal of going through both of these obstacles, both of these situations, is the, both, the goal was to build faith, that people would know, that, that, that non-believers would know that there was a God, that the believers would continue to believe that there was a God. That was the goal of both events. All right, so with all that said, now let's look at some of the differences between these two events. We're going to look at the differences because we want to see the change in the growth. Again, the Red Sea happened at one point and the Jordan River happened about 40 years later. All right. So let's let's see the progress between these two events. All right. One of the first areas that we see growth in these two events is their growth in their attitude. All right. Their growth in their attitude. The Red Sea versus the Jordan River. Let's look at the Red Sea. In Exodus chapter 14, uh, Exodus chapter 14, verses uh, 10 through 12, it says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone 
let us serve the Egyptians, which is no, that's not what they said. It would have been better for us to have served the Egyptians than to die in the desert. All right, so now remember the scenario. They, they were led by Moses after a series of plagues. They're led out of captivity. They're, they're let go, they're leaving towards, and they go towards the Red Sea. Pharaoh changes his mind and sends his army after them to get them. And so they come up to the Red Sea, and they've, so they've got this obstacle in front of them, and behind them they have the soldiers approaching. That's the scenario they're in. And this is their response. Look at what they said. How would you describe? What, what are, what's a word that you might use to describe this attitude? You can uh, throw it there in the chat if you like. Well, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways you might describe their attitude. But let me just, I'll, I'll jump right into it. Uh, I, I put down resistant. They're resistant. This is how, there's a, there's a sense of resistance to the plan. God has led them. Remember we said this, God has led them on purpose to the Red Sea, that God took them there. And now they're kind of freaking out and they are very resistant to this plan. Look at the things that they say. In, in, their, in their words, you, he, you see they're terrified. You see some sarcasm even. You see they're really argumentative with Moses. You see that they're very forgetful, right? Because they're saying, we, we, we loved it in Egypt. Egypt was amazing. No, it wasn't. You hated it. And then, of course, they were incredibly faithless, right? So this is, this is, their, this is their attitude at the Red Sea. They're very resistant. Now, let's look over into Joshua chapter 3 and compare this. What do, you, what do you hear them say in Joshua 3? Nothing. Zero. As Joshua is leading them up to this, this water obstacle that is in their way, and they're going to go in and try to conquer the new land, how do they respond? Zero. Nothing. You hear nothing at all from them. In fact, you scour, I scour through there and I'm like, they had to have said something. There was something that they had, but there's nothing. They don't say anything. In fact, Joshua chapter three, verses six and verse 14, it says, Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. So then the priests broke camp to, to cross the Jordan. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. And this is very consistent with what you see with the Israelites who are about to cross the Jordan River. You see that there's just a willingness. Okay, let's do it. All right, sure. Yeah. I mean, Joshua says, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to, much like what Moses was doing, God uses them, leads them to this obstacle, but there's an incredibly different attitude an incredibly different attitude. At the Red Sea, you see a lot of resistance, a lot of fear, a lot of pushing back, a lot of, uh, a lot of like doubt, a lot of forgetfulness. But when you get to the, the Jordan River, you just see a willingness, a willingness. Okay, that's what we're going to do. Let's go. Think about where God is leading you in your faith. Think about some of the struggles that God may be the, the obstacles that you may be facing, that God has brought you to, that you, you are looking at in your life, some of the things you might be wrestling with. 
what is your attitude about the places where God takes you in your faith? Is it, is it a sense of resistance? God, why? What are you doing? What's going on? Or is it a sense of willingness? You know, it's, you know, you know, I mean, we all are resistant at time. We all struggle. We all fight back. We all go, whoa, whoa, God, no, no, I think you've made an error here, God. No, God, I don't think this is, I think there's a mistake. We all have those feelings. But it's just, again, this is not a study of evil versus uh, good. This is a study of youth versus mature, uh, maturity. So if you find yourself in this resistant stage to God, it's just an area where you got to grow. It's just an area where you got to grow in your faith to God. You've got to become more willing to do what God wants you to do or go where God wants you to go. I don't know what God has going on in your life. I don't know the details of the struggles in your life. But I do know that God takes us where he knows we can go. And it, it, it's for us to try to grow in our faith and our attitude, to go from being resistant to God to being willing. So this is the area number one. When you compare these two crossings, you see what happened. Well, you see a growth from the first one to the second one, a growth in their attitude. Next, you see a growth in their actions. Let me show you what I mean. A growth in their actions. All right. Exodus uh, chapter 14, back at the Red Sea, verses 9 and 10. The Egyptians and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Heroth, opposite of Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. All right? What are their actions? What are they like? Well, at the Red Sea, you see a very reactive people. You see people that are faced with obstacles, and they're just reacting. They're looking over here, they see something, and they react. They look over there, they see, and there's a lot of fear and a lot of crying out. And you, you know, it's very reactive. Um, let's compare that now to the Jordan River. And what happens here? Joshua chapter 3, as we're about to cross the Jordan River, Joshua told the people, concentrate, or, um, concentrate consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I mean, think about that. So here, you know, back at the Red Sea, you see a very reactive people. But here at the Jordan River, you see a very proactive people. Now, you know the difference, right? Reactive means you are responding to something. Something is happening and you are responding. You're reacting. Proacting means you are looking ahead. You are thinking, okay, here's where I want to go. Here's who I want to be. This is what I want to do. I mean, Joshua tells them, go, take a day, get yourself ready, concert. I mean, it's a very proactive sort of approach to the obstacle that's in front of them. We're going to take some time. We're going to think about where we want to go, and then we're going to go do it. Again, a very proactive approach. So here you see a growth in their actions from the Red Sea to the Jordan River. Now, let me just clarify. I'm not saying, again, that reacting is wrong. I mean, if you're driving down the street and a 
you know, you see a kid run out in the middle of the road, right? That's not time to, to pray about it and, you know, fast about it a little bit, you know, that's not when you go, you know, I'm just take some time off and really think about, no, I hope you react. You better react. You got to hit the brake. You got to stop. So there are certainly times in life when we have to react, right? There, that's, so we're not saying reacting is always wrong, but what we're talking about is when it comes to our faith, if that's the lifestyle that we live, if we live this lifestyle of just constantly reacting, you know, constantly going from trouble to trouble to crisis to crisis, you know, and running from fire to fire, right, in our life, that's, that's, it's, again, this is, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you need to grow in your faith. It just means that at some point you got to grow to a point and go, okay, wait a minute, let me stop here. Let me think about where it is that I want to be in my life. Where do I want to go? Where is God trying to take me? What is God trying to, what are some steps I can do to help build my faith instead of constantly just reacting to things in my life? This is the difference that you see in these two, two states of the Israelites, the Red Sea state and the Jordan River state. It's it, you see this growth in their actions. They go from being reactive, full of fear, and to taking time, thinking, all right, who am I going to be? What am I going to do? Here's what's in front of me. Let me go pray about it. Let me get myself ready. And then we're going to go approach it. It's a difference in action, reactive to proactive. And then finally, we'll throw out one more here. Uh, you see a growth in their motivation, growth in their motivation. Uh, let's look at this, the Red Sea, again, back to the Red Sea versus the Jordan River. In the Red Sea, in the Red Sea, they were motivated by what I call fireworks. In the Red Sea, they were motivated by the fireworks. All right, if you read that, uh, Exodus 14, uh, verses 19 through 31, you see the amazing things that God does. And he does do some amazing things. You know, talks about this big cloud of smoke that leads them during the day, the cloud of fire, the pillar of fire that protects them, that goes between them, that leads them, that shows them the way. And then it also talks about how God is there, but then it talks about how Moses raises the staff, his, his arms and, and the staff and, and the water parts, you know, just epic stuff. Like, you know, the water parts, parts and they, they cross through on dry ground and then the water comes, I mean, just amazing stuff. But what you see in that is this, you see the Israelites see the power, then they take a step. They see all the things that God is doing. God's got to prove he, he's, he does everything he 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 splits the water he he makes this huge big epic thing and then and then they take a step now go over to the jordan river and here's what you see they are motivated not by the fireworks they're motivated by their faith you go and read that that passage there joshua 3 verses 15 and 16 what it says is that their battle plan wasn't as they were going to cross the Jordan River, which, by the way, was it? It was a. It was a. It, uh, um, it was a high tide or or flood stage, which means it was the worst possible time to cross it. But but it didn't matter. They they went. They went. They they didn't wait till it was really small. They they went when it was at its at its most difficult time. But their battle plan wasn't to send the soldiers or the navy or you know their battle plan. They sent the priests. And the priest went way ahead of everybody else carrying the ark. 
And, and as the preach, priests approached the water, nothing happened. Nothing happened until the priests stood in the water. And then when they stood in the water, then the river parted. Just like it had done with the Red Sea. Exactly like it had done with the Red Sea. It parted and they all crossed on dry ground. But the difference was in this situation, in the Red Sea, they saw the power and then they took a step. Where at the Jordan River, they took a step and then they saw the power. To me, this is probably one of the most convicting parts about their growth in their faith. I know as a young Christian and well, as a as a Christian, as an older Christian, I have often prayed, God, please show me what to do. Show me the way. Part the sea. Make it clear. Just and, and those are great prayers. And those are fair prayers. And there have been many times in my life when God has done that, when I wasn't sure where to go or what to do. And God just opened the doors bigger than I. And I was like, oh, clearly, I just walked through that door. Right. There's been plenty of times. But as I get older in my faith, I see less of those things. And I find myself in more and more situations where I feel God is saying, all right, Phil, I want you to take the first step. You step in the water. All right. But God, part the water first and then I'll get in it. No, nope, I've done that before. I've showed you. I've given you that those, those things that boost your faith. Now it's time for your faith to grow. It's time for your faith to get to the point where you pray about it. You, you, you trust God and you demonstrate your trust by taking a step forward, even before the water parts. And that's what's so amazing about the story in the Jordan River is the water didn't part until they touched it. I mean, I think about those priests, you know, they're walking and they're walking and they're walking and the camp is behind them. All the Israelites are behind them and they're getting smaller and smaller and they're all back there. And the the, the bad guys are across the river and they, they're there and the river is right there and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, all the way up to the, 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 the edge of the river, nothing happened until they took a step into the water and then the water part. Again, you see that it's growth in their motivation. They go from being moved by all the fireworks, you know, to being moved by their faith. They go from being moved by seeing everything first and then acting to acting whether or not they see it or not. There's a great verse that says just this. Paul writes, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, he says, we live by faith, not by sight. This is convicting. Live by faith. This is the realm that we live in. We don't always see, but we still step into the water. There's been there's been plenty of times in my life, you know, where I've like, I'm like, God, okay, I'm going to go get in the water. And I just pray you, you open it up. <laughs> I'm like, here I go, God. Because if you don't, I'm going to be just standing in the Jordan River, soaking wet, you know, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go get in the water. I'm going to, I'm going to, God, I hope you, I hope you work it out. And he does. And God works it out. And I, I see how God is growing my faith. To, to, to stepping out before I even have the security of knowing how it's all going to work out. This is a growth in uh, motivation. So in summary, what are we talking about? What are we talking about here? What are we talking about with the Northwest? What are we talking about as Christians? What are we trying to do? We're trying 
to grow faith. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to remember that when conditions are right, faith, uh, growth is natural. Again, you look at the Red Sea, what were the conditions? They were resistant, they were reactive, and they were motivated by the fireworks, right? And what do we see later at the Jordan River? We see a willingness to follow God. God, you say it, okay, I'll do it. A proactiveness, thinking ahead, planning, putting time into their faith, and a faithfulness, stepping out, even though they may not exactly know how this is all going to work out. At the Red Sea, they were young in their faith, and they were not ready. And that's why they ended up not going to the promised land. But by the Jordan River, they were mature, and they were ready, and they did enter into the promised land. Again, our goal is to grow faith. That is our goal. Um, our goal is to take you, take people, our, take ourselves, take our friends, take our family, wherever they are in their faith. Maybe they have no faith. Maybe they have great faith. Wherever they are, to take that and to continue to grow in their faith, to help people become Christians, grow in their faith, become Christians, and help Christians to stay Christians, to continue to grow in their faith. That's what we're trying to do. That picture that you see there, that's the same seedling that I showed you at the beginning of my message. That seedling that I showed you was, um, was a peach pit that uh, my wife and I went on our anniversary in 2018, and I bought a bunch of peaches. And then after I took them home and uh, this was upstate New York. After I, I took them home and I, I, I um, made a delicious peach dessert, I think probably, right, honey? And um, I took the pits. And I, I don't know if you know, but if you're very careful, I mean, you can break them open. It takes a pair of pliers, but you can break them open and you can take out the seed very carefully. And after six months of cold germinating in the refrigerator, they began to sprout. And so I put them in the dirt and some of them began to grow and only one of them survived. And that was the photo you saw earlier. Well, that was in 2018, 2019. This is a photo of the same tree that I took today. This is my peach tree. I call it because I, we got it on our anniversary. It's called the peach tree of love. And uh, it is now uh, it, probably 10 feet tall. And in fact, this season, this spring, I got some of the first peaches from it. Now they're a little rough. You look at them there, they're a little rough. And I didn't get a lot and I cut out all the worms and I was determined I was going to eat them. So even if with the worms, I was like, I'm taking the worms out, but I'm still eating the, the I, I didn't eat the worms. I ate the peaches, but, but I made a, I made some vanilla peach ice cream with it. And um, I was like, I'm, I'm determined. I'm going to do, I'm going to get something, but something's going to happen with these peaches. But um, it, it's, it was, it's just been amazing. It's been inspiring. That's in our yard right there. You can, when you come to our house, you'll be able to see our peach tree. And that's just because again, when, the conditions are right. Growth is natural. It's just what happens. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about growing faith, creating conditions in the church, in our homes, in our families, in our own hearts, where the conditions are right so that faith can grow. Going back to the Israelites here in closing, let me just ask you this. What was it that changed the Israelites? What was it? What was it that caused them to go uh, from the Red Sea and 
and be very youthful and almost non-existent in their faith to being uh, just 40 years later, being at a point where they had completely changed and were ready to enter into the promised land. What was it? What was it that changed the Israelites? Well, there's a lot that changed them. Uh, certainly it was God that changed them, but what was the big instrument? What was the big tool that God used? This, a desert, a, des a desert. God used this. This is the difference between the Red Sea and the Jordan River. It was 40 years in the desert. You know, wandering in the desert, deserts are very spiritual things in the Bible. They're often lonely places in the Bible, uh, but they're very uh, transformative. In fact, next week, we are going to continue this lesson, and we're going to do part two, which will be, we're going to talk about the desert. We're going to talk about the transformative power of a desert. So we'll come back here next Wednesday at 730, and uh, we will continue this, uh, this series. Thank you for being here. We're going to close out with one more song. This is a pre-recorded song that's very appropriate. It talks about how amazing our God is, and it was uh, recorded by our sister church in Denver. And so uh, Fabian's going to play this song, and then uh, after that, we will uh, we'll close out and end our time together. Thank you. <laughs>